And we are back running lifestyle culture, the podcast. Uh, this week, we've got a bit of a different setting. I've got Dan O'Neill next to me. He's the guest. We're in a podcast suite. It's special. We have got levels. We've elevated on running lifestyle culture podcast. Um, so I'm Coach Manny. I like to call myself the people's coach. Nike running coach and physiotherapist. I'm passionate about people getting moving, people running, people taking their health um, as something that's integral to their lifestyle. If you haven't heard of my podcast, we actually did an episode last week with Brad Stolberg, the lifestyle architect. That was the episode. That's what we were talking about. No, actually, it was two weeks ago. But that's what we were talking about. It was a really good podcast about lifestyle and how to inter- inter- integrate health and um, how to integrate movement into your health and well-being. Now, um, this podcast is all about talking running, lifestyle and culture. Um, as I said, as I mentioned previously, we're in a podcast suite. So the sound is sweet. And Dan O'Neill is next to me. Dan, who are you? The listeners want to know. That was a strong, strong introduction there. And <laughs> I feel under pressure here. Look, this has been six months in the making, so I've had a long time to manifest what we're gonna love it. What we're gonna produce here. Um, I am a essentially I'm, I'm, I'm an Aussie living in London. Um, I'm I'm a health and fitness coach. Um, my passion, my specialty is in strength and conditioning. Um, so I've worked in different sports. I've worked in um, I've worked in uh, rugby back in Australia, rugby league specifically. I've worked um, uh, with the women's um, Chinese Olympic rowing team. Um, spent uh, spent a stint over there, and then also um, worked in uh, college basketball as well. I uh, intern intern in college basketball um, for Warwick Gators. So they're kind of my um, uh, claims there. Nice, nice. I always like to ask people who they are because they give you such uh different answers and they get to describe the things that i think are possibly the most uh important to them and are at the front of their mind um do, so do, do you know what though that, that was that, really that, interesting that you started little, that's a little bio though but that's actually not who i am do you know what I am? <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm most importantly i'm a father there you go that's, boom that, that's who i am i'm, I'm a father love that yeah because you started with the uh, aussie in london so Yes. Yeah, I, got, I find it quite interesting to see how people describe themselves. It's um, it's really intriguing. But uh, so just let's deep dive a bit more into 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 the things you've just said. Let's I guess start with being a father. How's that? Um, <laughs> you know what it's done. It's it's helped me evolve into more of the person that I've wanted to become. Anyway, um, it's it's made me be much more efficient with my time. Where time. As a as a as someone that's single or someone that doesn't have a child, it it, it feels like you have an abundance of it, and, and now all of a sudden, I, I feel it's it's scarce, and time is a real commodity in my life at the moment. So I have to be very um, precise, knowing what I want to achieve that week, and that's something that I could say I, I probably um, wasn't natural at doing, but uh, my my fiance's um, really helped coach that into me. Because uh, I, I now I, I have to because I have to pick up my daughter um, at five five fifteen every day. That's my that's my role. Um, I go to work in the morning and then I pick her up in the afternoon. So um, I need to get myself done during the day. So I, I, that 
has helped me evolve, um, I think, as a, as, a, as a person and uh, yeah, as a coach. Sure. Um, it's, there's two things that I want to pick up on. I actually have something on my phone. There's nothing more precious than time. Love it. Because I completely, yeah, I think that's such a interesting thing you've talked about. And I guess um, there's also really a real reason why I wanted you on the podcast, because I think you have those gems that you love to drop. So, um, you know, and I think you talking about how your partner coaches you shows, again, why think we have similar values just being open to other people coaching you because it could be really easy for you to say no 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 I'm too busy at work or you know getting into a mindset where you know you're you know you don't change and you don't evolve and that's super important and uh, over time I've met I've, I've been kind of working in the space same space as Dan so we both work in a space called Until in Tottenham Court Road in London and we have really built up a good uh, solid working professional friendship and relationship and it's um it's really insightful to listen to his thoughts and, and what he has to say so that's why he's on my podcast and I had to be very particular about using his time um leading on from from time how did you find your time working in rugby league you mentioned that initially um I mean as a, that was that was what I was um that's what I thought I was meant to be. I thought I was meant to be. You thought that was your wheelhouse, right? I thought right? that was that was me. Um, I thought that was my gateway to. Um, it, okay, so it's really interesting, right? I um, grew up in a small country town where value was based on being masculine, being strong, and playing sport. They were kind of the things that noted you as re- respectful, really, in those sort of small small rural uh, towns so that's the way i perceived that i was loved or accepted it was to to, Jeez, to, to be this, to be, to this be, to podcast be is going to be special dad <laughs> just dropping <laughs> gems on all of you sorry to interrupt so that that that's what i wanted to do and i and i always aspired to to to, to play sport and, and 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 i was okay i was you know i i got to a semi-professional level but i think i'm you know, I like the quote. I think I'm pretty good at most things, but I'm not great at anything. But I think that's what inspires me as a coach is because I just want to know why I'm not good as a, I want to know why I'm not the best as, as an athlete. And, and you know, um, I, I, I love rugby league so much as it, it you know, I think because in, in my roots, that's what my family's always done. And, you know, you value your family roots, right? So, um, as soon as I was no longer playing anymore, I just delved straight into, I'm like, all right, I want to be around it. I want to coach it. And I, I felt like um, I could help people because I kind of understood why I wasn't, why, what was the difference between me and, and the guy that was playing in my position. No, that's really important. I think um, I have this saying that um, always be a work in progress. Um, uh, always be under construction. Those are my two yeah. real uh, big things because I think, you never see the building just um, never, you know, build, buildings always get re-renovated or, you know, the facade gets changed or they have to inspect the foundations. A building is is always under construction in some way or the other that you, that you may not even know and that you may not experience. And I think that's what we should believe. And we sometimes think, oh, you're going to get to the destination and that's it, that's it, it's done. But I think you'll always keep evolving, and um, it's important for you to 
to to do that and I, I love the way you think about it. Yeah. Um, so what happened to your values as you started to move into working in different sports and like how did you evolve from rugby league um, and, and yeah what was your journey next? I guess um, I, I started to value my education and, and um, my personal development a little bit more. So it just it just naturally took me down a, a, a different route, which I think ultimately I, I've thrown my hand up and, and tried a lot of things. So I guess coming back to the running, when, when I left um, playing rugby, and I just felt a bit. I felt a bit lost, and I didn't know what was what was I meant to do because that's the thing. That's what how I I identified myself, and that's who I thought I was. So all of a sudden, it was a change of belief of who I was. I didn't I didn't know, and I got invited to do a a, a charity ten kilometer run, and I and I just loved it. I just absolutely thrived off it, and yeah. and, I, and, I, and you know had the headphones in, and I had my playlist, and and I was just vibing it, and I remember. I was in Sydney. I was running across the Sydney Harbour Bridge. I was like, "This Amazing. is just awesome! Like, how fun is this?" Yeah. And it just and then I was like, then I thought of myself as a runner, mm-hmm. and, and 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 things evolved. And then I got into different sports. I got into strongman. Then I then I thought of myself as a strongman athlete. And then really, at the end of the day, I I, I now see myself. I'm just I'm just an everyday athlete that I just like to combine all these different facets because I, I think. In our in our industry, people can um, be very dogmatic. They can they can really see themselves in a particular lane. I'm a run coach. I'm a strength coach. I'm a I'm a Pilates coach. I don't know if I necessarily see myself in one lane. I, I feel like I've really tried to learn from each field and endeavor and, and just piece it together. Yeah. And create my own create my own little version of philosophy as a coach. No. And when you when you left rugby league and you started with what do you start working after after you worked in or so that's when i worked in a um a a private personal training studio in sydney called clean health Mm. um which is a a premium one-to-one body transformation gym so that was a where i met my first mentor um who really took me under his wing and um for me that was that was my fast track to 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 learning because you know, he threw me in the deep end a lot of the times, and nice. I, I trained with him. So I'd learn every single day, day in day out, why you would train a certain way, how you progress a program, how you develop multiple qualities across the week. It's it's balance. It was he was a real professional, and it really taught me to balance work with 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 training. And you know, I, I got into training twice a day, and, and but still working those long hours. And and for me. Um, it's a valuable lesson because I was so keen to learn that I went through this experience of being burnt out mm-hmm. and I had to have a little bit of time off work and, and then but then he coached this mentor of mine coached me that health has to come first. It's not all about pushing yourself to the limit because once you, you can only push so you can't you, you can't just burn the candles at both ends because it's gonna it's gonna run out at one point, right? And when I started layering in those foundations of health, I realized how much more important and how much further you can go in, in sport and training. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I really try and advocate that health is your foundation and then you can build from that. Um, 
No, you went through a real revolution. This is really interesting and things that I've not not known about you, which is really yeah. good. And I hope all, everybody listening is, is getting some insight and inspiration. Um, so when you when you did the 10K, when you started working with people from you know different parts of life rather than just elite sport, mm-hmm. what do you think were key cornerstones in terms of lifestyle? I know you talked about not burning the candle at both ends, but were there specific things that you know you picked up on? Because we have obviously meditation tools, we have breathing techniques. Are there specific things that you're like, yeah, that was a tool that really, really worked? I'm a real big fan of of structure and routine. I think the more structure and routine that you can have, it's really easy to identify. If something's not working for you, okay, and yeah. so I'm, I'm a big believer in in starting the day right, and and there's mo- there's so many philosophies around food and nutrition, and they all have their 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 place in the market, but I personally really like to advocate breakfast. I I, lo- I like it a from a nutritional standpoint to um to a like to help balance blood sugar and energy flow and mental concentration, nice, and structuring in. Um, you know your, your morning routine, your food, your lunch, and and I think I think people's lives are very chaotic, but I think they make them chaotic as well. Mm-hmm. And and I think I think that it, it's just a matter of um, uh, people don't um, people just don't have a plan. People like to wing it. They just like to turn up, and 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 that's fine. But. If you really want to get in control of your health, if you really want to get in control of your fitness, you have to have a plan. And um, I think that's the simplest thing that I learned is is help these people. They they need to be told what to do, and they need they need you to have a plan for them because that they will believe and buy into you if you can show them that there's a path. Nice. So structure structure is a is key. a cool, key thing for uh, lifestyle. Um, let's say lifestyle lifestyle efficiency and optimization let's use those words um i i'm i'm a big fan of uh, a little bit of chaos gotta say <laughs> chaos within reason so i think breakfast is definitely essential because if you don't fuel you you have no you have no you have nothing to to keep the engine going so i'm a big believer in that i think you're right in terms of our lives are very chaotic and you sometimes you have a work event in the evening and the time that you get up going to be affected and how you feel when you get up and then breakfast goes out the window so just let's keep in, in mind that breakfast is key um but i do think we we can find change quite difficult as a society mm-hmm. um and i think right now we just have to look at what happened you know pre-covid we, we're all living our lives very normally and then quickly we went through a huge amount of change and um from my perspective, experiencing and talking to people, they are finding change now even harder to deal with because of what's happened previously. So I do like to put people in situations where they have to uh, go through a bit of change, especially in their training. So for instance, somebody I work with, they had to go to Helsinki, literally Mm -hmm. two hours, two hours notice. They were in the office, got picked up, had to go home, pick their bag up, by Helsinki. I said, did you bring your running shoes? He said, yeah, of course I did. 
and I would have, I expected the person not to take their running shoes um, as their running coach. I was like, oh, I, I guess I guess you haven't got your running shoes, but maybe you could get swimming, or maybe yeah. you could do maybe buy some shoes. They're like, nah, I bought my running shoes. So as a coach, I was really proud and happy that they, with the change, they they molded and been fluid. So um, I do believe in in some structure, but I do think that we as a society have to be okay that we're not things aren't going to be perfect. And how do we adapt and mold? Does that make sense? I totally. Where I'm coming from in that perspective is the, the, the clientele that I've tended to work with tend to be the, the corporate they're, they're typically high chiefs they have a lot going on mm. and so they need reining in because they they've got too many responsibilities so they just need tightening in but there's also stages where i like to throw caution in the wind and, yeah. and i can throw a complete rogue session at them <laughs> because i don't want them to become yeah. comfortable and i don't want them to think that things i don't want them to get bored either and yeah I think it's really valuable to just know your, be able to read your client and know when things are, they just need to, uh, you know, put the Bunsen burner under them a little yeah. bit and just turn the volume up and let them know you're still here and you're keeping accountable and keeping your eye on them, right? And so sometimes, I, I, you know, and that can come in micro doses or bigger doses. Um, like I said, I, I like to start start the session with something a little bit rogue. Sometimes I throw a, a curveball and we might do some breathing work. We might do some breath hold with some farmer's carries just to give them a bit of a shock or some short power speed work, med ball work, jumps. Something that's just going to create um, a bit of a neural sort of shock and awakening because when when things become too routine, um, I think they, they just go in a bit of autopilot mm. and, and I think they need to get excited about wanting to spend that, that hour with, with us. So um, I, I think it's really important to like have structure, have a plan, then throw a few curveballs in there. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I love that. I love that. Super important. So yeah, if you're, if you're training with somebody and they throw in a, a rogue workout, don't be scared. They're just, uh, <laughs> they're just giving Keeping you a little bit. Huh? Keeping you on your toes. Yeah, giving you a little bit of spontaneity because um, it, it helps you in life. And I think we underestimate sometimes how much training can benefit us away from training um one thing i would say about lifestyle that i've realized people need to say no yeah we yeah. can't say no can we no no we're, we're, and unfortunately everyone says yes but then they don't actually stick to their yes yeah and i think it's way more valuable to to say no and and just own it because how often you might find as well that you might make plans with a group of people and they fluidly say yes and then they might not turn up and they're all they're waiting to see what else is out there. What about back in the day where you didn't have a mobile phone and all you had was the landline? So Manny, I'm coming to see you. we're going to watch the movies at seven. You, you better said, turn yeah, up, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can't leave me. Turn up. Can't yeah. leave me. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that um yeah, there's sometimes a bit of group think. Uh so yeah, people looking at who's going to turn up and when and if it's going to be the um the the best you know moment um but i think also if something doesn't turn out quite as you expect it or there isn't as large a group you can still you can still live in that moment and that's one thing that i i try and emphasize to people um but yeah be okay with saying no folks it's not it's not um a bad thing and um i think we sometimes get caught up in thinking we're going to 
um, upset or you know let people down but you need to make sure you're first you are number one if you take care of yourself then you know take care of everybody else so yeah that's one thing i would i would say um you started mentioning some things you do in training um which love to hear it some real um dan really inspires me because he, he trains using quite a lot of power and, and really uses uh, movements that you don't see many trainers using uh so dan can you unlock unpick unravel give us a bit of insight into your philosophy in trade of training somebody mm-hmm. okay sure so i think like i said my, my this it stems from my aspiration to be an athlete and and you know to, to make it in different things and and not quite getting there and just it's i always want to figure it out i've got a deep desire to figure things out so i've personally gone and uh interned in different fields so uh, you know i, I went out and interned in America to understand like how do elite athletes in, in, in America and basketball work and and uh, travel to different countries, Germany, I went and worked with a top coach there and some in Oz. So it I, for me, I'd like to just, whoever's leading the, the way in their field, I've just gone and learned from. Joel Jamison's a new one who I like really um, aspire to, to kind of learn everything he has. He's, he's definitely leading the way, paving the way in terms of, understanding fitness health and longevity and that ties so well into uh, clients so for me taking a client on it's it's a it's a process of um, initial assessment uh, both objective and subjective measurements so uh, objectively i want to see where uh, a how they move i want to see b uh, what their health markers are so i like to assess clients a, a with their body composition b with their their blood sugar and their blood pressure so i've got this hard data right there in front of me that we can um, review and go well we know that these are things initially that we need to work on. we know your blood pressure is really high we know we need to work on your cardiovascular system rather than just sort of generically putting in there because we think we should finish with cardio we generally know i can i can um, improve your work capacity improve your health and lifestyle by by doing that so um starting with objective measurements and then the subjective things like How's your sleep? How's your energy? How's your stress? How's your digestion? So that that's where I like to like layer my foundation, and then I'll build a program for, from there. From a general philosophy, and this has come from uh, different um, different mentors and different coaches that I've learned from. Um, I, I like to uh, so a general week would be a, a strength session at the start of the week, and a, say Monday, and then a strength session again based around Friday. In the middle, it's gonna be a lower intensity. So we're spreading out that neurological heavy load. And then the middle will be conditioning because conditioning is really good at helping uh, clear waste product and lactic acid. So there's always like a system of um, balancing out intensity and volume across the week. And, and in case of runners, that would just be the inverse of that because that might be where the intensity is, that might be, uh, I would see that as where the volume session would be because that might be where you're trying to get your either your longest run or, or your hardest run, maybe a threshold sort of session. So looking across the week and just balancing out in, uh, volume and intensity because of course we want to overload, but there's a we can only incrementally overload 10, 15% each week without the risk of injury or, or overtraining. Mm. So it's, that's my simple sort of foundation is 
uh, spread your intensity days across the week, layer it in with moderate intensity, and then um, I like to use some conditioning there as um, a build, build the system but B to flush out some waste product. I personally think unless there's a social reason or you know a family reason that you can't train, um, that I don't really believe in rest days unless mentally you've got too much going on or you know you want to spend time with your family i think movement is actually medicine for the body and there's always things that we can do to improve our body and that will actually make us better um for the next week okay amazing and yeah that's that's i think that's probably something some people will really like to hear there's no need for rest days <laughs> i think uh if you are to 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 categorize and say you know who would you give active recovery to? Who would you give passive recovery to? Are there like a specific type of individual you think benefit from from each? Um, I'll, I, I, I'll I'll give you like a kind of yeah I'll give you kind of scenario. So I think sometimes with um, individuals who uh, you know their hormonal health may be affected mm -hmm. by work stress, mm -hmm. sleep, um, sleep. Uh, sleep disruption and hormonally they may just be quite fatigued and there's quite a lot going on okay. and nutrition wise there's a lot going on quite complex i believe in like a a real structure and strict structure of complete rest days mm -hmm. so they will train um obviously thinking about their intensity is super important and volume mm -hmm. But I would give them complete rest days. Comparative to somebody who comes to me with, even somebody who comes with a, maybe with like an Achilles tendinopathy, because an Achilles tendinopathy doesn't want complete rest. So I wouldn't have a complete rest day. I would have um, days where, you know, go for a walk, but keep the steps to less than 5,000, no hiking, maybe cycle, maybe go for a swim or um, keep as active as possible, cross trainer. Um, because the blood flow will support your recovery. Um, and there's also people who are, the volume is too high and you might want to keep them moving, keep them going, but just reduce the volume so that they get a bounce back, that super compensation, which um, means that you have a decrease in performance, um, you reduce the volume and intensity so you can build back up to increase performance. So this is where tools like resting heart rate and heart rate variability are a really powerful tool because we can see the tone of the nervous system trending. So we can use HRV, for example, from Monday Monday to Friday across the week, and we can see what, what what's happening. HRV is, is um, it, it gives a representation of the amount of um, sympathetic tone of the body. So if there's a high variability, that's a good thing. That's a good normal um, rhythm for the heartbeat. If it, if it's a really low variability, that means it's quite a frequent sort of input or stress stimulus in the body so by un by just using that as an as a objective measurement we can see how much stress load um how they're tolerating tolerating stress right so it's, it's trying to get a balance of parasympathetic and sympathetic tone in the body that's ultimately what you have to determine how much stress or allostatic load is the body going through and stress comes as we know from multiple factors stress comes from the amount of sleep you're getting, the nutrition, um, your energy, you know, if you're 
Uh, we are what we assimilate. So the way you digest food, whether you're having digestive discomfort or you're actually breaking food down really well, is going to play into that um, allostatic load. So when I, what I believe is that resting, aka sitting on the couch watching Netflix all day, is less productive than a very light uh, 20 minute, 30 minute low heart rate recovery session. And that can come in the form of yoga, that can come in the form of swimming, that can come in the form of a run. Uh, if, if you're a runner, I would, I would go away from that because you're, that you want to recover away. From, you, you want to get the benefits from the heart rate in that low, that low intensity zone. You don't want to overstimulate the muscles that you're already working, right? So when you can work in that, um, that roughly that zone two, so you know, let's say 120 beats to 150 beats per minute, roughly, you're you're promoting um, really good fresh blood flow into the working muscle. So it, it increases lactic acid clearance, right? We know that sensation of DOMS is waste products sitting in, in the legs or in the arms, right? And we, we want to get rid of that as quick as possible. So naturally being aerobically fit is a really good way to do it. Um, but we, we need to stimulate that, that, uh, that exchange of, um, of lactic acid waste product out of the body. So that's where I believe movement actually aids in recovery versus resting because you're not getting that, um, that stimulation of uh, detoxification. Just for the listeners who maybe don't understand some of the terms, so let, can we just go back? So parasympathetic. So cool. Parasympathetic, so just so that yeah. anybody listening yeah. has that. So we have our, our nervous system. So we've got the nerves that run from our brain and they innervate and they, they just channel all the way down the body through our arms, our legs, and they all the way down to our toes. And it's basically like a Wi-Fi signal. We've got these signals, these these um, wires that go to our body, and they 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 tell us what to do. So if if we are in our sympathetic side of our nervous system, we have two branches, sympathetic and parasympathetic. Naturally, your sympathetic is what is known as fight, flight, fight, flight, or freeze. So that would be in, in, in fear, the body has that cortisol spike and it's gonna react. So all the blood flow shunts to the muscles, right? That's great for training. That's really good for training. Well, that's really good if someone has a gun to your head because you're alert and you're ready to, to react. The parasympathetic side is where the, the blood is shunted back into the, the organs and think that helps um, digestion, that helps um, blood flow to your reproductive organs. So if someone's more sympathetic dominant, fight flight, they're gonna have less natural blood flow to those organs. So that's where you might experience poor indigestion you might experience poor hormonal um, poor hormonal levels because they're, they're driving too hard in that sympathetic nervous system. So the blood isn't actually in, uh, in those um, reproductive organs as, as efficiently as it should. And when you hear in the term people are chronically stressed, it doesn't mean that they're super highly stressed, like there's cortisol running through their body, like they're ready to fight or ready to run a 100-meter sprint but they've got low chronic levels where they can't tap back into that parasympathetic zone. And things like type two training, type uh, zone two training helps promote more parasympathetic response. 
So sleep does that, but there's other better, more beneficial things as well as just sleep. And that could be um, focusing on breathing patterns as well. So finishing a, a session, uh, let's say you train in the morning, you, if you're a corporate exec, you've got a high stress job, you come in and do a weight session or you do a, a, um, an interval a hill session, right? So you, you, you've produced lots of cortisol, you've done a really hard session, very lactic acid driven. We want to bring that stress hormone down because otherwise they're going to just carry that stress uh, throughout the day. So that's where things like breathing, box breathing, tempo breathing, where we slow the tempo of the breath in and particularly the tempo of the breath out, does a really good job at slowing the heart rate down and, and, and ultimately bringing that, um, that, that cortisol down and shifting us more into that parasympathetic zone. So I'm, I'm a big believer of actively choosing to, to get into a parasympathetic state versus just lying down and, and, and recovering. Nice, nice. And um, when you, what was the term, you use the term allostatic, what do you mean by that? So the, the term allostatic is just a total stress load. And, and allostatic means the, where is it all coming from? And, and, and like I said, that can be poor nutritional choices. You know, if you're going out and you're having McDonald's, you know that's not going to be positive for you. Um, people that, in, that you know, partake in drugs, you know those things are adding a, a level of stress and driving up sympathetic tone. So it's all the factors that drive up a, a sympathetic response or a cortisol-producing response that I, we know that's great for training, but it's not great for recovery. Thanks, that, Dan. So what would you advise to uh, runners? So you're a strength and conditioning coach and, and, and how would you approach training runners middle distance to long distance? I guess the, the obvious things are working backwards from, from an event. Always create a date. Give yourself a, a, a determined time frame, whether that's 12 weeks, 16 weeks. And then we can really accurately know what we're working with. Um, it, it can be a little bit hard when there's no end, end goal. So I always like people to create an end goal, even an artificial one, whether that's a fun run rather than a big race because it gives us something to actively build into. In my opinion, um, just uh, generically what I've seen is uh, in runners um, may be a little bit hesitant to really delve into their strength training because they don't want to damage their running performance. And, and, and respectfully, that makes sense. The closer it is to competition, the further away you are, the more time that you have. If you're, if you're anything more than 12 weeks away, you should absolutely be doing strength training because you need to build uh, that, that extra gear. So if you're running and your one mile time, your one mile split is very similar to your 10 kilometer time. If there's no real difference between your splits, you know you don't have that ability to get into fifth gear. So you need to teach yourself um, how it feels and, and how to run faster. And that's where strength training allows you to develop those high threshold motor units. So you can use those sort of uh, key determinants of what, you know, what, what your sort of splits are. Um, if, if, if a runner has very little uh, strength training experience, I think there's probably a good argument that they could could throw it in one to two days a week but it's just going to depend on how far away they are from competition nice um and when you're looking at components of 
of, of these you know, sessions. I know you do a lot of power. How would you incorporate power into it? Into, yeah. Into that? So um, power is very um, neurologically driven. So the nervous system only has a finite amount of, of um, work that it can produce. And we have in, in our body, in our system, an energy currency. So we use fat as a currency. We use glucose as a currency. And we also have ATP as a fuel currency. We only have so much of, of that to use. So I like to do power stuff, the ATP power sort of stuff, early on in, in the training session. So if it's very um, explosive jumps, if it's explosive throws, if it's... Um, you know, sled sort of work, do that front loaded at the start of the session. And then in the back half of the session, you work on more of your remedial exercises. So that could be things like your, your, your groins, things like your, your, your glutes, your hamstrings, some of the, the other muscles. But you need to train fast twitch, high threshold sort of exercises at the start of your session. There you go. Let's get that strength work in. That was one of the key reasons why I wanted Dan on this podcast. Um, Dan, you have really unlocked quite a lot here. Tell us about your running journey. Where are you going next? What's your, what are you up to? I know you run as part of uh, events as well. So, you know, if there is an event you're doing and it's got some running in, that's all good too. So, yeah, what's what's on the horizon for you? Um, so, middle middle part of the year, there'll be um, the Turf Games event, the Summer Turf Games event, and then there'll be National Fitness Games. So, it, it's, it's a real multitude of you have to be strong, you have to be fit, you have to be able to run, you have to be able to run 800 metres, but you've still got to be able to heavy deadlift or heavy squat. So it's, it's a real combination of bringing all these strength qualities together. And I think that's why I like it because it's, it's very complex. Nice. Um, one, one thing that, I've, um, just in terms of, of back to your question before, I was thinking about with runners, that the, the, the key thing is implementing jumping into the training because Jumps are the bridge between strength training and running. It connects the two of them together. And I think it, it, if you're not including, you're missing out on so much beneficial yeah. power, that, that elastic energy from all the way from the ankle up to the body. And starting, you know, generally starting on low, small sort of jumps into higher, higher jumps would, would be the way to progress that. But that absolutely has to be if anyone's program, if you're a runner, and they're not jumping, you're mad. Don't forget the jumps, my people. Don't forget the jumps. Um, I think we're going to wrap this up. Dan, there's one question that I didn't tell you that I was going to ask you. Do you like surprises? Do you like change? No. <laughs> okay, here's the question. So on Running Lifestyle Culture, the podcast, here with Manny O, the people's coach, we have one last question for everybody. And most of the time, they don't know that they're going to get this question. So we need a track of the week. I'm going to play a 10-second snippet of the track that you suggest. So any song you like, he's grabbing his phone. He's going to have a look at the playlist. Look, look, look. What look. music would you be playing? What gets you motivated or what's what? getting you to chill out? Just need a 10-second snippet. Look, to, to be fair, it's, uh, it's the Rolling Stones at the moment. Rolling Stones. Uh, sympathy for the Devil. Sympathy for the devil. We're going to play a 10 second snippet of that track at the end of this podcast. This has been Running Lifestyle Culture. Dan O'Neill has been the guest. Dan, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. My man, thanks for having me. Loved it. Big love. See you next time. Coach Manny out. Oh, peace.
lovely stuff, mate. This one's really smell. No, this is savage. What is going on? <laughs> 